Ascension Sunday. This is when we remember Jesus being taken up into heaven. We are now five-sixths, five-sixths of the way through God's revelation of his big plan. Imagine a loop. Part one of God's big plan starts in heaven. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are all agreed. Jesus is going to come down to try to reverse and succeed in reversing the consequences of the fall. Part two of God's big plan is Jesus coming to earth, right into Mary's womb. He's born, gathers disciples, teaches disciples, gets arrested and killed. Part three, he descends to the dead. Heaven, earth, descends to the dead. Then part four, back up to earth for 40 days where he demonstrates that he's alive. He's defeated death, not only for himself, but for everyone who will believe in him and follow him. After which, part five, he's back up into heaven. He's ascended. We are five-sixths of the way through God's big plan. If you're wondering what part six is, we heard a little bit about it in Luke. That what were they waiting for? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> the commissioning of us and giving us the Holy Spirit to carry out the mission and the work that Jesus gives us to do. Back to today, part five, Ascension Sunday. It's more than fitting that we pause with Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians is a big scope, big picture letter. In the first three chapters, Paul sums up God's big plan. In the second and last three chapters, he describes how we, as the body of Christ here on earth, as the church, carry out God's big plan. In Ephesians, Paul wants us to look at what God, the Trinity, has done from a cosmic vantage point to reinforce the truth that God's big plan has powerful, enduring purposes. Death has been defeated. Earth is being taken back from Satan, the self-proclaimed prince of this world. Humanity is being redeemed from the consequences of our free will the dark consequences. And Jesus is Lord of the universe. In both Ephesians and Luke today, we're thrust beyond even this loop, heaven under the earth and so on, that loop. We're thrust beyond it because Paul enlarges our understanding to realize the full size of Jesus' realm. He keeps using language like fulfill and beyond and above. In Ephesians, he writes, He who descended, Jesus, remember the loop, is the one who ascended higher, higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Higher than the heavens, higher than the heavens. They had the concept of sky. This was a higher, out into the galaxies, the cosmos. Jesus, the Messiah, the Chosen One, fills all of life, all realms, seen and unseen. Christ fills the air we breathe, the sky we see, the galaxies, the spaces, 
space that even the new James Webb telescope can't see. Jesus fills the whole cosmos. We see that God's big plan has an incalculably big Lord who has great power. With Jesus in the heavenly realm, seated at God's right hand, Paul tells us in Ephesians that God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, who fills everything in every way. All principalities and powers, all rule and authority and dominion therein are under his reign. He is risen. He is ascended. He is king. We here today, all human life in fact, are living in his realm. What a staggering scope. What a big Lord. Regrettably, we humans are often uneasy with the idea of having a big Lord. We don't like big Lords. They tend to rub our free will the wrong way. They have their own big plans, which end up serving only themselves. If there's an existing framework or religion that gets in the way, big Lords reject it. In biblical history, big lords were called kings. And a quick read through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles will show us a range of good kings and bad kings. And the good kings honored God and his big plan as best as they could understand it at that point. The bad ones cared less. Big lords today aren't called kings. They're called mostly most countries, presidents. As in biblical times, today's presidents and their inner circles are either humble before God and put the welfare of the people and the planet first so that humans and the planet flourish or they block out God and are thieves and destroyers. President Putin of Russia is trying to steal a country by destroying cities, ports, businesses, and people. President Gotabaya Rajapaska of Sri Lanka, in these last 30 months since he was elected, has bankrupted Sri Lanka. For those who watch movies or TV shows, we're fascinated, at least Dennis and I are, <laughs> to debate the merits and deficits of fictional big lords. Is there anyone here familiar with the godlike being Q from the Star Trek Voyager series? Or the severely misguided warlord Thanos, who I guess thought was doing population control when he snapped and half of the population of the world disappears in the Avengers Infinity War movie. I hate to say it, but even in our own country, we champion individual freedom so much that we've created many big lords. Untempered by the humble knowledge of a holy, redeeming, helpful, 
all-powerful big Lord, our powerful God. These many big lords take their pain into their own hands and swagger into schools to vent it, wreaking unspeakable harm. And the many big lords around these people in pain, also with no working understanding of the ascended Jesus, feel hopeless and helpless to do anything. Lord, have mercy. Real or fictional, big lords and many lords have used their power and freedom to make unilateral decisions that bring harm instead of using their free will to offer themselves into the service of Jesus. So, with all the conditioning we've had about big lords and many lords, past, present, and future, we ask ourselves, am I really willing to put all myself under the lordship of Jesus, the ascended one? I mean, can I even go to a church? They've been just as bad, many of them. Church leaders, and yes, regrettably, ordained people have failed us, and God as well. Lord, have mercy. We remember the Catholic abuse scandal from years back. Yay, now we have the Southern Baptist Convention one. And truth to be told, numerous other denominations through the centuries have had leaders who abuse men, women, children, and covered it up. They've ruled countries in corrupted behavior and bankrupted them. Humility and holiness, repentance and confession have been absent in these churches. Sin is like that. Truth gives way to self-protecting lies. Holiness gives way to temptation. It almost goes without saying that all these big lords, past, present, real, and fictional, are not like Jesus at all. Jesus is so very different. On this Ascension Day, let's open ourselves up to Jesus. Come into the presence of this cosmos reigning big Lord named Jesus, right here in this beautiful outdoor space. Jesus loves you. He loves me. For Christianity to be born and thrive whenever and wherever we live, Paul knows how vital it is for us to receive and keep receiving Jesus' encouraging, healing, empowering love. Paul prayed deeply that all who would hear his letter back then and even today, quote, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Christ's big plan is that we are to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, that we might be Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Why is it so vital for us to really know and receive this love? Well, we can't be or say that we are part of the body of Christ in unity of faith, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ without his love. Jesus is love. And if we truly are to be little Christ's, shimmering parts of God's big plan, we need to be, we get to be lanterns of his love. In the power given to us who believe, we are meant to be living extensions of his fullness everywhere he sends us. This is a staggering invitation we've received. Seen from the vantage point of the old Breton fisherman's prayer, Oh God, my, thy sea is so great and my boat is so small. We might respond to that invitation in that way. But seen from the vantage point of Jesus' majesty that we just sang to, I picture Jesus saying, I got this. So in your imagination, come stand with me next to Jesus, who fills the universe. Can you feel his love absorbing into you? Do you know, suddenly somehow know, the benevolence and purity of the mysteries of God's big plan and our we're not fully human and fully divine like Jesus. We are fully human and filled with the divine, though, through baptism and the Holy Spirit. Still, it can be hard. I remember when I came to real faith and I was getting to know Jesus, there was no way I could stand next to Jesus in my imagination. During worship, I noticed that my hands would go up, but my face was always turned away, or my hands were like this. I just couldn't, I just couldn't look up. Jesus' exalted state made me feel like somehow I was a trespasser. I, I shouldn't have been that close to him. Before I came to know Jesus and the big plan, I felt more like a snail kind of along the ground, dragging my shell just in case I needed protection behind me. 
But after I came to understand the majesty of the risen Lord, this ascended Lord we celebrate today, and the magnitude of his self-giving love, and the mission of his kingdom, and the provision of the Holy Spirit, wow, Jesus' desire for me and his love for me became absolutely real. My vantage point gradually shifted from snail view to ascended view of Jesus who reigns over and fills the whole universe. I could actually draw near to him and ask him, where now, Lord? What do you want me to do now? Thankfully, my newfound boldness was affirmed and bolstered by the writings of saints from earlier centuries. I saw their intimacy and joy in knowing and serving Jesus, who in their minds, paradoxically, was exalted and yet near. They weren't embarrassed. They were in love. How could we not love him and be emboldened and draw near? He can't help but be giving and good. You just heard in the gospel, while he was blessing them, he was taking up, while he was blessing them, he was taken up into heaven. This is last act, was as if he was saying, wait, one more thing, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, as, as he disappears. His heart is to bless us, then and now. Jesus is a big Lord with a big plan. I pray we can open our eyes to his realm and our hearts to his love. The world is aching for acts done in love and care. Like the old song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. Let's be the answer to that lament. In the months ahead, we'll realize more and more the extent of the provisions that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. But for now, let's pause with Paul and let me pray over you his words, and then I have a prayer at the end. Let's pray. I pray using Paul's words that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and incomparably great power for us who believe. Oh, Lord, thank you for the riches of your glorious inheritance in your people. Thank you for your incomparably great power for us who believe. Fill us with your majestic yet intimate love. Lead us into the work you have given us to do. Be glorified, you who are pure goodness, pure love your sacrifice. Be glorified, you who reigns over all times and places and people. Be glorified. Amen. <laughs>